0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Step Up. Um, got my man Ryan here with me. What's up, Ryan?
1: Not a whole lot. I'm about as good as I ever could be. Hey, I hope you're doing great yourself, Holden.
0: I am, I am. Um, Ryan, 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 let's go ahead and jump right into today. Um, watching that Sunday night game last night, uh, Cowboys winning 37-10. to 10. Um, The Eagles have had seven turnovers in the last two games. Um, Zeke finally had a bounce back game yesterday. Dak Prescott only had one turnover, which to me is a bright thing for the Dallas Cowboys. Is this bad Eagles or good Cowboys?
1: It's bad Eagles by far. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit the Cowboys by any means. They did play phenomenal last night. They were also at full strength last night. But, I mean, we've learned that, you know, not necessarily an excuse. The backups have come in and played phenomenal uh, over the years. Uh, Probably the greatest backup of all time to come in and play was Tom Brady at that position um, after, uh, you know, the Bledsoe injury had happened. But Mm -hmm. definitely um, still not discrediting Dallas, but this is really falling on a lot of, you know, just miscues and bad play calling by Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Um, And if I had to give – Two highlights and for things that need to be changed for the season because this is, you know, Dallas is only one game ahead of Philly. This division is still wide open, you know, with just about half, just over half of the season to go. Mike Grow, offensive coordinator, goodbye. You are gone. Um, You know, it was kind of questionable if you were going to be on a hot seat. Well, guess what? You're literally sitting in Satan's chair. It can't get any hotter than that. Um, Also, If we do not trade Nelson Aguilar by the 29th, then what are you doing? Because in terms of deep ball passes that are catchable, he has the lowest catch rate in the NFL at 20%. And there was a pathetic effort that I've seen, especially last night, but I've seen it time and time again, where all you got to do is actually be an athlete and lay out for the football and you're making a play on it. But instead you just kind of let it dwindle and hit the turf and it, there's just so many miscues that are happening right now. I need to
0: see a change. Um, I, I I definitely see some of the points you have, um, especially with Nelson Aguilar. I um, to in today's news uh, the Eagles are looking to trade a either a first and second round pick and Nelson Aguilar for Patrick Peterson, which so, would which be I fantastic. Would would definitely up this defense, would lead to would get some leadership along with Malcolm Jenkins, because Malcolm Jenkins is just doing everything out there on the field from what I saw yesterday. Um to me, I, I under to me, you know, going down fourteen nothing, I think the game kinda you know, it's just where is the awareness for Carson Wentz in the pocket? I mean, the pocket collapses so quickly and he just he hangs on to the – to me, it just seems he's hanging on to the ball way too long than what he needs to. I mean, you either got to get out of the pocket. I mean, you saw, you saw Dak do what he couldn't do yesterday. Dak got out of the pocket when he got pressure from Fletcher Cox and, and company. So, to me, it's just I need to see more awareness from Carson Wentz. I mean, he, he, was, he was on the ground a lot yesterday. I think he, he had an interception. I think he had, what, two fumbles? So, to me, it's just the awareness in the pocket. I want to see more from Carson Wentz. This is a guy that was an MVP two years ago, and I understand coming from the knee injury that you may have worries and stuff, but, you know, we want to see the guy that we saw two years ago, you know, that got out of the pocket, that wasn't scared to make throws on the run. And I feel like he's still not back to what he was then. And
1: I'm going to take a lot of that, and I'm going to continue to put the blame on Mike Groh. Um, just with just poor play calling, um, and we, we saw it all game. We've kind of seen it all season long, going back to the Super Bowl winning season, where we actually had a Frank Reich as our offensive coordinator, and that team was just playing out of their mind. Um, so I think that should show a little, uh, you know, reason. And that was only Wentz's second year in the league to be at that. But mm. I think that should show that because we he's. With, you know, the position Philadelphia is in, coming into last night, Carson Wentz was fifth in the MVP conversation. Obviously, his stock has fallen uh, after, you know, last night's game. But I really don't question his playmaking ability. He still can extend the play. Um, the offensive line is aging, and Mike grow. you
0: got to go. And I see it. Um, I would love to see definitely a new offensive coordinator, um, For the Eagles, they just – to me, you know, the road's not going to get any easier. I mean, the Cowboys' next three games, they have the Giants, Cowboys, Lions. I mean, and then the Patriots right after that. And then with the Eagles' schedule, you have the Bills, Bears, and Patriots. So, you're not going to see easy defenses the next three weeks.
1: Nope. And it's something to where if changes are not made this week, then the rest of the season is definitely in jeopardy.
0: Yep. Um. Going to more of a game, we have a matchup um with bu- the Bills against the Dolphins. The Bills were in thirty one to twenty-one, but I mean this game was a lot closer than what it was. Ryan Fitzpatrick had I think he did a lot better than what Josh Rosen has done coming into the game yesterday. Um of course you have Micah Hyde returning the onside kick with one of the greatest I mean, he looked like he was on the matrix out there when he caught that ball, spinning it in midair. But, again, I mean, that game was closer to me than than what the score was.
1: That game was definitely closer than what the score actually showed. Um, the Dolphins did play a close game. It proved to me that they want to win football games. Um, and even against a team like the Buffalo Bills, where they are playing good this year – but by all means, I don't think they're, you know, a team that's going to make a good push in the playoffs if they do happen to make it, which right now it does appear to be a case of them being a wild card team. Um, but I really think that even when you're trying to win football games like the Dolphins are and you're still performing at that level, you are probably the worst NFL team in history. And, you know, i got to give a lot of credit to my guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of the smartest players to ever come into the league, a Harvard graduate. Um, He knows what he's doing, but he himself does not have the poise to, you know, be a season-long option. We saw it last year with the Buccaneers between him and Jameis Winston. Um, And I think we're going to see another mix of Josh Rosen getting thrown in at another point in this season, too.
0: And I could I could definitely see that. Um, great great win by the Bills. To me, the Bills are still um, a little overrated at fact just because of what I saw from them yesterday. They didn't really open up the offensive playbook. It was more of a to me just more defense on their side. But um, So to me, I just don't like what I saw from the Bills yesterday. You have a perfect opportunity against the Dolphins to try some things out. And you didn't because I agree with you. They are the worst team in NFL history. But to me, the Dolphins can also be the best bounce back NFL team from the worst season. I mean, they have a ton of first round picks. They're probably going to be the number one pick this year. So they're set, and they have a great head coach in Brian Flores, a guy that I really like and I think is already looking forward to next year. So I don't think we're going to see anything on the Dolphins, but they, this team could definitely turn things around for next year. I think they should definitely shop Kenyon Drake, though. I think he's got to go. I think you try and get some more picks to build up for the draft for next year.
1: Yep, big time. Absolute. Just couldn't agree with that anymore.
0: Uh, moving into um, Cincinnati, Jacksonville went there on the road yesterday. They're winning 27-17. Um, Andy Dalton threw three picks in a five-play span, um, a defense that didn't even have Jalen Ramsey anymore. Um, Gardner Minshew came back with a great day. Atlanta Fournette rushed for, you know, 100-plus 100, 100 yards. Wouldn't expect anything less. Is it time for a quarterback change in Cincinnati?
1: Absolutely, and it's coming back with what I was talking about yesterday, how they just need to rest AJ Green for the, you know, entirety of the season because it just doesn't deem as if there was an actual need for him to play this year with, you know, the situation that the uh, Cincinnati Bengals happen to be in and all I'm seeing for the Bengals this year is they are trying to win football games in a case like the Dolphins but man, are they a hot mess, and it really does start with Andy Dalton, because all I'm seeing, and like you said, from that three interceptions in a five play span,
0: like it's it's ridiculous, and yeah. the Red Rockets got to go. Yeah, uh, he does. I mean, this may be the end. I'm sorry, Ryan. This may be the end of all Gingers in the NFL, because I think they're going to compare him to Andy Dalton from now on instead of Carson Prince. <laughs> but um. Hey, it's okay. The Gingers need to stick to the NBA.
1: The White Mamba and Brian Scalabrini left a (laughs) legend.
0: But uh, if you're AJ Green at this point, do you request a trade?
1: See, he did come out and say that he wanted to end his career in Cincinnati, but by all means, why would you want to do that? (laughs) Um, I I can actually, you know, foresee him being traded before the October 29th deadline. However, he is not projected to come back until after October 29th. So, I think that in itself hurts his value in terms of getting traded this year.
0: Yeah. and, and I think I it's guess, a smart move. That, that makes sense. But um, at this point, I think it's just wasted talent playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. The same along with Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon could be a lot better for a different team. Um Speaking of wasted talent, uh, right here in Atlanta, the Rams came in and destroyed the Falcons 37-10. to 10. Um, Did Jalen Ramsey fix the Rams, or did they just play a terrible team?
1: Holden, before I go into this, this is very off topic. Tua Tayovola underwent surgery to repair his high ankle sprain. Oh, wow. So, kind of back with the college football talk we were talking with yesterday, he very well has a chance
0: of missing that LSU game. And that just opens up the gate for LSU to be SEC champions. champions.
1: Um, So, getting back on topic, Jalen Ramsey, I think, helped propel this team a little bit better than, uh, you know, we necessarily probably thought that that was going to happen. However, they did play a very underwhelming and depleted Atlanta Falcons team. Matt Ryan wound up getting hurt. Devontae Freeman's throwing punches at Aaron Donald. By all means, why would you want to fight Aaron Donald? That guy's huge. Um, But I saw a great improvement from the Los Angeles Rams on the road. It was something that we needed to see. Um, It was a huge step up from their offense. And Jalen Ramsey did a phenomenal job shutting down
0: Julio Jones, who's arguably the best receiver in the league. So kudos to you, L.A. You stepped up. And he, he definitely did. You know, you're not gonna shut down Julio every play, but Jalen definitely did the best than any other cornerback I've seen play against Julio Jones. Jared Goff, phenomenal day. Back to the Jared Goff that we used to see in um, you know, twenty-two for thirty-seven, two sixty-eight, two touchdowns, no, no turnovers at all. Um, the offensive line is still a question mark for me. Todd Gurley, I don't know if it's just he doesn't want to get going, but we're just not seeing the Todd Gurley we saw last year. He's he's not explosive, he's not It's kind of just like he's taking it easy back there. I mean, I just, and to me, that's the problem because you, it's to me what made the Rams so good last year is you had the run threat with Todd Gurley. So when you hand, you know, you load the box up and you, you know, you have the play action passes that open up downfield. And with Todd Gurley, the way he's playing, you're not going to have that this year. So I think you're even asking Jared Goff to step up a little bit more. Um, but Jalen Ramsey, I think he definitely earned his money yesterday. I think you definitely got to pay this man because he fakes this defense. They definitely did a 180 yesterday. Jalen Ramsey shutting down Julio Jones. They did exactly – the Falcons did exactly what I thought they would. They had a lot more throws to Calvin Ridley. Um, but Aaron Darnold in the defensive line with the secondary that they have now, I mean, they got pressure on Matt Ryan. I mean, they, they got him. They got two fumbles off of him. Matt Ryan goes down out of the game early. Um, talking more into the Falcons, um, D- Dan Quinn, I don't understand why I woke up and you still have a job today. I just, this is, this to me is, it's just terrible. To me, it's kind to blow up the Falcons. I don't think Matt Ryan is going to be your leader anymore. I, I have no faith in him. I think he makes terrible decisions with the ball. Um, and it's, I mean, Andy Dalton could be the starting quarterback and look good because he's throwing a Julio Jones, Calvin Ray Lee, Mohamed Sanu. I mean, that's a good receiving core. Uh, the same with Devontae Freeman. I don't know why you're going to go up and punch the biggest guy on the field. I mean, that to me, that is just – that sums up what Atlanta went with yesterday. But the Falcons, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about them. They're 19-22 and 22 since blowing a 25-point lead in that Super Bowl. I mean, they have been – I mean, you had Arthur Blank on the field ready to get the Lombardi Trophy. The Patriots came back. You're 19-22 and 22 since. I mean – Arthur Blake, when do you you make the call to get rid of Dan Quinn?
1: It should have happened already. Um, This is probably the biggest Super Bowl hangover that we've seen in the history of the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think it really got to Dan Quinn mentally, and he just doesn't know what to do with his hands at this point. Um, But what that front office needs to be doing with their hands is signing his resignation paperwork
0: for him and getting him out the door um <laughs> I I agree I agree whatever you're it's just to me you I don't understand why In a you don't see this in the NBA you know when guys don't produce they're gone David blatt didn't produce gone the next year Tyron Luke came, won the championship the same with Luke Walton this year didn't make the playoffs Luke Walton's gone it's when you, Mark Jackson, when Mark Jackson lost to the Houston Rockets, the Warriors were tired of losing. He he got fired. They hired Steve Curry. This is something we see in the NBA because there's no excuses when you have a good team. Yet why do all these NFL coaches get excuses?
1: It, it really doesn't make sense to me. Um, and th- that's a point to where I kind of see the league hitting a decline is they're really not doing as much to shake it up to make more of these teams dynamic. They like to stick to that old-style 1970s style of football, um, but it's something where you know we've seen with other teams where they've had absolute success, and even some of these great coaches like a Bill Belichick and an Andy Reid have changed up their coaching style to an extent to keep their teams extra relevant in today's day and age where we're seeing all these good style of coaches like your Sean McVay's, your Kyle Shanahan's, your Doug Peterson's. Uh, Sean Payton is up there with Belichick and Andy Reid. Even Adam Gase has a potential chance to turn this Jets team around too.
0: And, that, and See, and that's why I think guys like Bill Belichick and Doug Peterson and, you know, Sean Payton is because I feel like... They're so accepting of how the game is going to change. Just like how the NBA changed with three-pointers for – it's been about a decade now. The same in the NFL. It's a passing league. But now we're starting to get to the point where, you know, you need to have a running back now. You need to open up play action and have plays down the field. So, to me, Bill Belichick has kind of given the reins to Josh McDaniels for the Patriots. And then the same with, you know, Doug Peterson when they have the Super Bowl. To meet him and Frank works really well. They're not scared to mess with their offensive coordinators or their defensive coordinators, depending on what they are. And that's why I think there are phenomenal coaches in the NFL because you just, you know, you look at guys like Dan Quinn. I mean, this team has been blown out the last five weeks. And Dan Quinn is in charge of the defense. They don't have a defensive coordinator. It's Dan Quinn. So, obviously, he's not doing the job good. I mean.
1: And that's one thing where I kind of have seen a, you know, huge shift in tendency in the NFL is obviously a defense is going to win you championship. Well, you can kind of throw that out the window because we have seen, the you know, the huge shift in the NBA. And it kind of, you know, went into an aspect that, you know, the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, as electric as that was. And then, you know, the Rams, as good as their defense was last year, that wound up, you know, obviously they couldn't get on the scoreboard, aside from a Greg Zerline field goal in that game against the Patriots in the championship game. Teams need to move on from the defensive minded head coaches and push them back as a defensive coordinator and let these offensive playmaking coaches come in and take over this team or these teams to actually give them, you know, that more explosive appeal and, you know, propel themselves in the NFL today.
0: And and I agree because, I mean, today in the NFL, I I think the best example that we have is Sean McVay and Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips has been in the league a long time, and he knows defense like the back of his – the back of his hand. I mean, he's one – he's the great – to me, the greatest – defensive coordinator in the NFL. And that's a perfect example. Sean McVay runs the offense. That's his thing. That's what he did in Washington. And it's the same in New England. Josh McDaniels, you know, keeps turning down head coaching jobs. And Bill Belichick is, you know, he runs that defense. He works really well with Brian Flores and Matt Patricia when they were there. But it's more of he's a defensive-minded coach. So, to me, it's just with NFL coaching nowadays, find your strong suit. But you need to have trust in people to, you know, run the other side because, Defense to me, it doesn't win games anymore. It it comp- it makes you compete, but it doesn't win. A- it doesn't win games to me.
1: Nope, not 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 in today's day and
0: age. And the perfect example is, I I mean, last year's Super Bowl with the Rams' greatest defense in the NFL, offense couldn't put points on the board. So. Moving into more, um, let's go ahead and go to the game at MetLife Stadium. Arizona went in 25, 27 to twenty one against the Giants. Um, this was definitely not a Kyler Murray game. Like I thought, he would. I thought he was going to blow up this game against the Giants defense. But Chase Edmonds was the. You know, he got his number called yesterday. Twenty seven carries, hundred twenty six yards, and three touchdowns. Um, Daniel Jones, to me. One thing I saw from him is in the preseason is he had problems taking care of the ball and he definitely had a costly turnover yesterday that ended up that ended up them losing the game. So what did you see from these young teams that we're going to be watching for, for the next 10 years?
1: So the most important thing that I saw from yesterday's game is I almost feel as if the Arizona Cardinals are ready to move on from David Johnson and transfer into Chase Edmonds. Um, It just deems as if that, you know, he's got the hot hand right now. Um, We kind of saw it a little bit, you know, towards the end of last season with Chase Edmonds. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they were to do like a trade for David Johnson, you know, maybe bring in some extra offensive linemen or even uh, some extra receivers, uh, aside from, you know, obviously the legend that is Larry Fitz. Um, On the Giants front, there needs to be some more chemistry. Uh, so, you know, that's going to have to get built between the offense. Their defense still looked as shoddy as ever, um, especially in, in this season's case. Uh, they probably have the wor- one of the worst defenses in the league at the moment. Um, but that offensive side is going to need to learn how to play with one another. Um, and there's really no excuse on that because Saquon's back. <clears throat> you have Evan Engram back. You know, you have Golden Tate and it, it that one really lied in the hands of Daniel Jones and like you said that you know costly interception and it, it's a rookie mistake and you know it's something that we were bound to see we've seen it a couple of times already this year from him um, but I, I think the poise that Chase Edmonds showed for the Cardinals going back to them uh, it takes pressure off of Kyler Murray because when you are a rookie you shouldn't be, you know, the one factor for your team's offense. There should be multiple aspects to it, and we saw that yesterday from the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, and, and we definitely did. Um, I definitely think the Cardinals have a lot of great things to look forward to in the next couple of years. I think they can definitely be back. But, damn, that division is getting tough up there with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals if they're up and coming. Good good luck up there. I mean that's that's really all I got to say.
1: Great division in the NFC West for seeing this
0: So then yesterday moving on from the Arizona game, um Aaron Rodgers with a heyday. Packers beating the Raiders forty two to twenty four at Lambeau Field. Rodgers throws five touchdowns, four hundred and twenty nine yards, twenty five for thirty one, perfect passer rating. I mean, is this Aaron Rodgers' greatest game that we've ever seen him play?
1: I I think so through the air, yes. Um, even though it was against the shoddy Oakland Raiders defense. Um it was kind of what I, you know, was expecting what we all should have expected to come from Aaron Rodgers in this football game. But if there's one thing that I have noticed in the past couple of weeks, that bad man under center with the mustache is back. Aaron Rodgers has looked phenomenal this year. It's a third straight game. Devonte Adams has been out with an injury, and he's showing to us that it just does not matter. Aaron Jones even took a backseat in that game yesterday, and he he spread the love across the field for everybody, and he even kept one for himself with a rushing touchdown to make it six in total on the day. Um, this is probably some of the best football we've seen from Aaron Rodgers this year. Some of the throws that he's making some of the windows that he's making them in is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, Then I'm, you know, this, his play at this level, you know, being at the age that he's at and the injuries he's had is, you know, what makes me believe that green Bay is going to stay on top of that NFC North
0: division. Yep. And I agree with you. I think, I don't think the greatest game by Aaron Rodgers. I think you're right, like throwing through the air. I think the best game I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers in is when he came back from that deficit against the Cowboys in Jerry World and just came back and whooped that ass like he always does in Jerry World. But um <laughs> Uh moving to it, I think Aaron Rodgers entered himself in definitely in the MVP conversation. Um I kinda wanna get in I think there's a into the nvp conversation real quick i think the two leaders right now to me um since patrick mahomes is down i think patrick mahomes would be number one still but i definitely think it's russell wilson and aaron Rodgers. and the reason why i don't have deshaun watson up there is i think the last two games they had were flukes and i think they showed that in the colts game because um we'll, we'll get more into that game when we get down there but i think aaron Rodgers is i, I think right now he's it's hard to argue between him and Russell Wilson of who the MVP is. I mean, this Packers team to me it, they could be the best in the NFC. I mean, their defense is playing great. Aaron Rodgers at a all you know high time, high all-time level right now. And they're at without Devontae Adams. I mean, this this and that's crazy that the two teams that are the best right now in the NFC don't have their starters. <laughs>
1: And uh, I agree like, yes, Green Bay's situation is a little bit better than Seattle. So that's why I think Russell Wilson kind of makes, you know, more of a push towards that, uh, you know, the MVP over Rogers, at least for, in my opinion, at the moment. Um, but with serious, how lights out Aaron Rodgers has been, he's about as surgical as ever put that man in a room. He could probably perform open heart surgery at this point with how clinical he has been, um, so expect Aaron Rodgers' success to continue, um, and I, I love to see it from the guy. He's seriously one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time in NFL history.
0: Yeah, and, and mine too. I love, love to see the discount double-check. But um, going into more of the, you know, another divisional game, uh, Houston went to Indianapolis, and even though the score was 30-23, to 23, it really didn't look that close on the field. Um, one of the greatest catches I've ever seen from Ebron, uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, two interceptions yesterday, Jacoby Brissett, enough, I mean, four touchdowns, 326 yards. I mean, what, what did we get from this game yesterday?
1: The Colts are still contenders, and I think even more so this year than they were last year. They don't need Andrew Luck. I really hope you know he's going to be you know great later on down the road in his life. Uh, just in terms of uh, you know his general health wise, because he's had some super serious injuries in his career. Um, but Jacoby Brissett is more than enough of a feasible. He's an above average quarterback at this time. Um, He's got, you know, getting the experience. I think that entire season that he had of experience, um, you know, two years ago really helped propel him to get into this moment. But the thing that impresses me the most is the defense of the Indianapolis Colts. We knew they were, you know, serious last year, but when you get that chemistry built up, the seriousness, seriously continues and they have propelled themselves to a next level and I can see this Indianapolis Colts team winning the AFC
0: South yeah and I I don't I don't even see that as a shock I don't um I definitely see the Indianapolis Colts and I think in the next couple weeks that they're even going to lock up the AFC South um the difference in me between the Texans and the Colts are the head coaches? I don't think Bill O'Brien is great head coach. Um, doesn't you know when he gets to the playoffs? Doesn't win playoff games. Um, and Frank Reich, he knows how to win. He, he's got a Super Bowl. He is a offensive magician. I mean, he's just he turned this whole Colts team around, and it actually makes me feel bad that they're you know they're not going to miss Andrew Luck. But could you imagine how great this team would be with Andrew Luck? They would beat. To the, I think they would beat the Patriots this year and go on to the Super Bowl.
1: That's actually the point that I was literally just going to bring up. If Andrew Luck were to be on this football team, it would be a situation to where I think the Colts would be undefeated right now, along with the Patriots.
0: Yeah, and and I I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, to me, uh, I think Deshaun Watson, um, I think people got a little overhyped over the last two games. He played two piss-poor defenses and, you know, he, I mean, he killed him. He did. But, I mean, this week you have a good defense. You don't really have that great of a game. So, to me, I think people got too high on Deshaun Watson too quickly. Um, you know, you, it, it's still a long season. He can change my mind. But I'm really not that high on Deshaun Watson as I am with, you know, other great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Is it is it crazy that I said that?
1: No, I really don't think it is crazy because we've kind of seen a backseat happen from the entirety of – the uh, Houston Texans, even the great nook, the nookie, DeAndre Hopkins. He is just kind of been underwhelming this year, Um, yeah. except for that huge blow up game that Will Fuller had this year. You know, their entire
0: offense has kind of looked lackluster
1: in a lot of yeah. these
0: football games. Yeah.
1: And, and we I never have the explosive.
0: Can, yeah. And yeah. I don't think you can do anything with, you know, Carlos Hyde running for 36 yards either, but, um, you know, it's just, just another of those things. But I think the Colts are real. They're definitely here. They're definitely, to me, the number one contender in the AFC right now just because Patrick Mahomes is down. And we don't know what this Chiefs defense is going to look like in the next couple weeks, which I think is the biggest factor for the Chiefs. Um, Absolutely. Let's go to that um, ugly, ugly game in Washington. Uh, 49ers went nine to zero, Robbie Gold hitting field goals from 28 22 and 29. No offensive touchdowns. Um, 49ers defense do get the shutout. Um, what you know, th- it was an ugly game, the field was flooded. I understand, but should we have seen more from the 49ers offense?
1: Uh, I really don't think so because, in conditions like this, this is really all about you can expect as a field goal fest, especially in the mud bowl that it was. Um, the 49ers, they you know, seemed as if they were in control the entire time. Uh, this was the first game that was scoreless at halftime since 2017. Um, but they were still able to, you know, make the plays to actually win this game against the Washington Redskins, another team who's fighting for, you know, a top three pick and are, you know, still trying to win these football games. But with the conditions yesterday, it's really, you know, not a game that was meant to be aired out. Um, There was something that, you know, was primarily going to need to be done on the ground. And that's kind of how it happened, even though Jimmy G was still able to make some passes downfield. Um, But I I was fully expectant of this game to be kind of lower, lower scoring, like I said, barring the condition. So I don't think it's uh, too much of a surprise, but good win by the Niners defense nonetheless.
0: Yeah, definitely good win by the Niners defense. Um, Definitely not overlooking the Niners. They are one of the best teams in the NFC. The only reason why I say the Packers and the Saints are, to me, they edge off a little bit more is the experience that they have with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. So, to me, that's just the difference that you have, like, between Jimmy Garoppolo in my eyes. Um, moving on to the Tennessee game. Tennessee hosted the Chargers, and they held them off 23-20. Chargers losing again, going to 2-5. and five. Melvin Gordon fumbling right there on the goal line with 15 okay. seconds left. Definitely not helping him out to getting, you know, a contract extension. Brian Tannehill, great day, 23 for 29, 312 yards, two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but other than that, he, I mean, other than that, I think Tennessee had an upside from this game with benching Mariota. Um, is this good Titans or is this bad Chargers? I'm
1: going with a little bit of both here. Uh, Tannehill actually showed a lot of poise yesterday. And that was the reason why, you know, Tennessee Titans brought him in was in the case that Mariota did not hold up to his end of the bargain, which, you know, we really haven't seen him do this year. So they bench him. Tannehill comes in, plays a good game at home, gets them the win. But man, do these San Diego Chargers keep finding new Man, I just had a flashback from the past. Holy cow. I had to talk on the hot tub time machine for a second. <laughs> um, sorry about that. The LA Chargers, they just keep finding inventive ways to lose football games, being that goal line fumble from Melvin Gordon, as you said, and on the fact of it does hurt his, you know, value for next year. So don't be uh, you know, shocked when you see Melvin Gordon on a different football team next year. Um, I think the Chargers should have just traded him to get the most bang for their buck because it looks like they need it. And if they could have gotten a good draft pick out of Melvin Gordon with how they're playing this year, you could get Phillip Rivers replacement in this off season.
0: Yeah. And, um, and I see that definitely, I think they can definitely shop Melvin Gordon, especially with the benefit that, you know, Austin Eckler has been playing lights out. He was the best receiver on the field yesterday, had the most yards, most touchdowns, but, um, to me, I just – I don't see why this Chargers team just can't figure it out. I, I, to me, maybe it's chemistry, but, man, they are losing some nail biters. And, you know, this is a team that people before the season started, they could be Super Bowl contenders just like last year. I mean, they had a great defensive stand against Baltimore, um, Lamar Jackson's, you know, rookie season. but um, And then they got blown out by the Patriots and Foxborough. Then the people – you know, people thought this year they would turn around. But – is so Philip Rivers got drafted with Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning both have two Super Bowl rings? Is Philip Rivers better than Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning though, even though he doesn't have the hardware?
1: Even though he doesn't have the hardware, I think he, uh, from what we've seen from him statistic wise as well, um, he's he, you, know, you can argue that he is better than those guys. Um, I would definitely say more so Eli Manning than Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but also, these are two guys that have had more help in their careers compared to Philip Rivers, and I think that's a situation where that's why he doesn't have the hardware that those two guys have. Because both of the, aside from you know a Ladanian Tomlinson and a Darren Sproles, that's really all he's had. Now he has you know a Keenan Allen and uh, what seems to be a declining Melvin Gordon and a good upbringing in Austin Eckler, but it's a little too late in Philip Rivers' career. Um, if these were guys that he maybe had like you know six years ago, by all means, I think the Chargers are in a fantastic place to win you know an actual Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So ar- arguably he can be considered better than Roethlisberger, or Eli Manning, but nonetheless he will find a spot in the Hall of Fame. Phillip yeah. Rivers,
0: and I agree with that. There, um, you know, hopefully the Chargers, you know, hopefully they turn it around because this is actually a fun team to watch with you know Joey Bosa running on the ends and Austin Eckler. How Oh, he's just so much fun to watch. But um, moving down the road, um, Seattle losing uh, while hosting the Ravens yesterday. Ravens winning thirty to sixteen. Um, Lamar Jackson, you know, scrambling away from trouble. It looked like all game while it was raining. Uh, you saw at one moment, um, you saw one more one moment hardball and Lamar Jackson. You know, called the timeout instead. Went for it on you know fourth and two. Lamar actually, instead of getting the first down, got a touchdown on the play. I mean, is this – are the Baltimore's more threat to the Patriots than the Colts?
1: That's arguable. Um, In terms of how explosive the offense is, absolutely. I think the uh, defense of the Colts right now is a little bit better than the defense of the Ravens. Um, But the acquisition of Marcus Peters – help propel this Ravens defense exponentially against what could be an MVP in Russell Wilson this year. Um, Literally his first game, 67-yard interception return. It was Russell Wilson's first interception of the season. Um, And just with how explosive this Ravens team is, if they can, you know, keep that aggressive play calling, like you said, going forward on that fourth down and scoring a touchdown on it – I can actually, you know, see this Ravens team dethroning somebody, um, but it's going to really come on an experience front more more so than anything for me in that aspect. But fantastic, fantastic old school style win by the Baltimore Ravens. This game was won by
0: defense. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. It getting the turnover um, with Russell Wilson and the DK Metcalf fumble. Um, awesome to see. Awesome to see um, Earl Thomas and Russell Wilson exchanging jerseys at the end of the game, the respect that they both have for each other. Um, we didn't get that Earl Thomas interception like we both wanted, but hopefully there's always next time. Um, can, you, can you say Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback now? Um, because honestly, to me, Ryan, I'm still not there with it. I think, I think the day when I call Lamar Jackson an elite quarterback is when he can't run the ball has to stay in the pocket and dish it out.
1: So here's a little interesting uh, fact here. Lamar Jackson, with the Ravens being at 5-2, and two, a total of seven games into the season, they will have their buy-in next week in week eight. He is tied with Russell Wilson and Michael Vick for most games with hundred, at least 100 passing yards and at least 100 rushing yards in a, three games this year. In a season, Russell Wilson had three in 2014. Vic had three in 2004. Lamar Jackson is already at three, seven games into the season this year. And I think it is that aspect of Lamar Jackson that makes this Baltimore Ravens team so deadly. I've seen him make throws this year, but I think it's also his ability to actually extend the plays. And he even said he had to change his cleats out twice yesterday. So he couldn't get caught by the linebackers thought it was hilarious. Um, is really what's going to help propel this Ravens team for the future.
0: All right. Great take from Ryan on the, on what to expect from the Ravens for now on. Let's go ahead and jump into our locks of the week, Ryan. Um, I'll go ahead and go with mine first. Oh and three y'all got to love it. Um, Hopefully turn it around. But uh, Saints beating the Bears, 36 to 25, Bridgewater, you know, 281 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Latavius Murray was the most shocking player to me with 119 yards, two touchdowns. Um, What can what can you say about this game? I mean, to me, I was just I don't even think the Bears are a playoff team anymore.
1: I I had questioned that the Bears were going to be a playoff team at all after what we kind of saw in the start of the season. It just seems impossible uh, for Mitch Trubisky to throw to his left. Um, But this was a a game where, you know, the Saints kind of, you know, they surprised me again. Um, Even though as poor as the Bears' offense may be, you know, the defense kind of held true. And the offense actually was, you know, first half it was kind of in question. But the second half they showed to me that they were able to go up against you know, some of you know the more the better, if not the best defense in the NFL of the Chicago Bears team. Um, so I mean, it was a good win by the Saints, by all means, on the road, but it's not a great win because this Bears team, as you said, they're just not playoff bound at this point. They probably will finish last in the NFC North.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely think they'll be last. You, the, I just don't understand why you throw the ball. They threw the ball 54 times yesterday with Mitchell Trubisky under the center and ran the ball, I think, a total of 12 times the whole game. I mean, what I, – I don't understand this at all.
1: I, I don't either, and it really – it makes me question what Matt Nagy is actually doing, um, if he was the prodigy, you know, under uh, Andy Reid, because the – Prodigy under Andy Reid is really looking like Doug Peterson. Um, Out of, you know, the offensive coordinators that came out from under Andy Reid in that Chiefs offense, he's the one who has had the most success. Matt Nagy kind of went off to do his own thing in Chicago. And I wouldn't even say, you know, one scenario is better than the other. Um, But it's somewhere where the Bears need to – make a a change at quarterback already i'm sorry trubisky and my mind is still blown that they took him over mahomes or
0: deshaun watson if they have one of those guys you're in the super bowl and that's what and i understand that i to me it's more of deshaun watson uh we didn't really know a lot of patrick mahomes and mahomes sat behind alex smith the first year too so to me, so I'm not gonna st- I'm not gonna include Patrick Mahomes in it because we didn't know he would be how great he is today. To me, it's Deshaun Watson. I mean, this is a guy that knocked off the number one defense in the country and had a phenomenal game, second in MVP race, who should have been first to Lamar Jackson. Um, sorry, Lamar. I mean, I, I think Deshaun should have won it. But to me, it's just I don't understand what people look at when looking at quarterbacks now. I mean. I, I just don't see what you saw in Mitchell Trubisky, a guy from North Carolina rather than a guy from Clemson and Deshaun Watson, who clearly was the best quarterback in both national championships games when they played Alabama twice. I mean, I just don't – I just can't believe that, that they took him over Deshaun Watson. I mean, to me – and the same with the play calling. I just don't understand the play calling they their now. I don't want Trubisky throwing the wall 54 times a game. I, I really don't.
1: And it it's gonna be kind of crazy, and I can't even believe that this is gonna come out of my mouth. But the last time the Chicago Bears had success was when they had Jay Cutler
0: under center. <laughs> I knew it was coming, and it, it's true though. I mean, it was Jay Cutler, and so now your in question is: Does this team need to make a trade to get a higher pick in the draft to go get a Tua to go, you know, to go get a Jake from like? to go get a Justin Herbert. I mean, these are real questions this team now has to think of because I think you have the defense. You don't have to mess with. It's the offense. You have a, you have two great running backs in Montgomery and Cohen. Um, you have a pretty, I would say average offensive line that can actually hold up their own for the most part. You know, you have Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Robert Miller. I mean, I don't, and you have Trey Burton, who to me is one of the best up and coming young tight ends in the NFL. I mean, there's not a lot of things you have to change. It's one position. So now you got to see who they can shop, who they can trade to get a higher pick in my eyes to go get a a Herbert or a Jake from. So I think that's something they definitely need to look forward to.
1: Yep. And uh, one take two, one player that I think the Bears probably should have kept, however, I'm glad they shopped him, especially to my uh, Philadelphia Eagles, was Jordan Howard. He's in his fourth year. In his first three seasons in the NFL, he averaged nine touchdowns and 1,300 rushing yards a season. Those numbers are fantastic for someone in their first three years in the league. And they stop him so they can keep Tariq Cohen and wind up drafting David Montgomery. Because um, I think he had a... You know, help them with a whole another aspect in their offense, just with the type of player that he is. But that was a sense where they went ahead, they got their—I uh, think it was a third-round draft pick. We wound up shopping for him, if I'm not mistaken. It will be for this upcoming draft, um, so they might
0: use that on a quarterback this year. Yeah, and and definitely, I think they definitely should use that on a quarterback. I still can't believe they got rid of Jordan Howard, but. You know, the Bears, I don't think it's this is you. I don't think you're making the playoffs this year. I don't think you are even. They're yeah. definitely going to be last in that NFC division in my eyes. But, um, you know, better things to look forward to for next year's draft, hopefully, or maybe even in the offseason. Uh, one last question before we move on to the Vikings and Lions game. Is Teddy Bridgewater going to be Drew Brees' successor?
1: It really what I've seen from Bridgewater is not so much of it being Teddy Bridgewater, but it's showing that the Saints have a system that's just kind of set up for a quarterback. So I think whoever they bring in, as long as they get experience, they can be a successor to Drew Brees. It's just a matter of finding another superstar like a Drew Brees. Because Teddy Bridgewater, you're not a superstar to me, but you have enough to what it takes to obviously win five straight
0: games in his absence. Yeah, and they haven't, I mean, honestly, they haven't really been easy games either. I mean, he has the Seahawks, the Cowboys under his belt. Now he has the Bears. So, I mean, it's not like he's – it's not like he's playing a lot of cupcake teams. I think it's just more – I agree with you. I think it's more the defense. I think the defense has stepped up since Drew Brees has gone out. You know, they have the – the secondary is unbelievable. They're they're actually the third-best secondary right now in the NFL in yards per reception and passes scored on them. So – They're definitely playing lights out. Um, Moving on, let's go ahead and go to this NFC North battle between the Vikings and the Lions. Vikings winning 42-30. to I mean, we saw another Kirk Cousins, eight touchdowns in two games. I mean, are you going to hop on the – are you going to come join me, Ryan, on the bandwagon or –
1: Man, and and see, I'm going to just go ahead and say I am a little upset. I took my first L of the season and my locks two and one. Hey, welcome um, to the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there, not only to Vikings nation, but all of America that watches football. And I'm going to throw it on the whim and say, you like that? Because <laughs> Kirk Cousins has been playing out of his mind these past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I think the aspect of Dalvin Cook, you know, excelling as much as he has this year has really helped take a lot of pressure off of Kirk cousins. Cause that was really what uh, Mike Zimmer wanted to do was run the football. And now that they have the success, Kirk Cousins can, you know, get those big numbers, which, you know, as lackluster as Kirk cousins, you know, we've seen in the past, his numbers have always kind of spoke for themselves. He's always been in like a top five situation with all of his, you know, statistics. Um, and it's kind of helping too with Stefan Diggs, is you know starting to blow up and you know kind of get into his own bag again this year. Adam Thielen, you know, left the game with an injury yesterday. I don't think it's going to be anything that's serious. Um, and the defense played lights out too, they played great football against a good Lions team. And the Vikings, right now, are looking like the only other team to actually compete for. That NFC North top spot, if not a
0: wild card spot this year, yeah. And I definitely, I definitely think the Vikings will get a wild card, a wild card spot just because of how great this defense is playing. I mean, but again, you can't take anything away from the Lions. I mean, Matthew Stafford had a great game yesterday, throwing four touchdowns all to Marvin Jones, who had another great game. They didn't need the run game, and that's what I think I was most impressed with is seeing, you know. Matthew Stafford throw the ball out and these, you know, Danny Amendola and Marvin Jones having huge games yesterday. But, I mean, this is what I'm talking about when you look at the Vikings. The threat of Dalvin Cook, to me, is making Kirk Cousins better because he gets more time in play action. You know, he gets – receivers are more open down the field because of the threat Dalvin Cook is this year because of how healthy he is. So – this is what I want to see more from, you know, a team like the Rams or, you know, a team like the Cowboys, just things like that. It, to me, it's starting to become a more play action league. And I just feel we don't see it as much. So you have the Lions going up next against the Giants and then the Vikings, you know, playing against the Redskins. I think those, that's definitely two wins for those teams. Um, but and then you have the Packers, you know, playing the Chiefs this week, which I don't think Mahomes will be in. But you know this, these three teams have tough schedules, especially in that you know conference schedule. So to me, you're gonna learn a lot from these teams because they're gonna face competition you'll see in the playoffs. So I really like the NFC North. Um, it's gonna be hard to take down, you know the kid, you know the man himself, Aaron Rodgers. But you know it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I uh, I'm excited to see what the outcome is necessarily going to be. Uh, with the NFC North, obviously, aside from the Chicago Bears, where you've just taken too much
0: of a backseat from last year. Yeah. Um. So going into our Monday night matchup, uh, we have my New England Patriots uh, going to MetLife to play against the Jets. The Jets with a huge win last week, upsetting the Cowboys, which to me wasn't really that much of an upset. Um. Sam Darnold, you know, looked phenomenal. Jamal Adams looked good. And today, the Patriots, you know, they don't have Josh Gordon. Uh, Philip Dorsett is still questionable. Uh, Patrick Chung still questionable. They don't have Mac, Matt Lacose. So and Rex Burkhead is out again. And Ryan Izzo, so that's two tight ends out. They brought back Benjamin Watson. Hasn't been said if he's playing yet or not. But I mean, you know, with Jamal Adams and this these blitz. Um, the blitz package that Adam Gase is running with sending Jamal Adams. I mean, to me, th- this can actually, I think there's going to be a really close game on Monday night.
1: I, I think it will be a little bit closer than a lot of people are uh, actually anticipating because what we saw last week from the New York jets is they are an entirely different football team with Sam Darnold under center because it gives them that boost to their offense it's making their defense play out of this world. It seems like, and it's starting with their leader in Jamal Adams at the safety position. Um, I I really wouldn't be surprised if the jets were to actually take this game off the Patriots as outlandish as that seems, this is a new England Patriots we're talking about. Um, but Seriously, expect a lights out matchup tonight from the New York Jets because, uh, like we were bringing it up earlier with the head coaching conversation, Adam Gase is that you know new era style of coach to where he's able to bring a whole new aspect to an offensive side of the uh, you know football that is going to help propel teams in this league.
0: Yeah, and, and I I agree with you one hundred percent. I don't think the Jets are going to win tonight, though. No, I'm going to stick with my boys. Uh, I got the Patriots. I got the Patriots covering the spread. I think they'll win by ten tonight. I think it'll be twenty-four, fourteen tonight. I'm going to go with Patriots.
1: I, I like the 24-14. fourteen. I'm going to knock it back to a
0: twenty-to-fourteen win by the Patriots. So, all right. So you got a great game. You know, great NFL Sunday. I think we definitely learned a lot about what you know, where teams are at and what teams need to be worked on. And uh, another great matchup tonight
1: absolutely you guys better tune in 820 ESPN gonna be a fun one
0: so moving in more um, we got the world series starting tomorrow Um, the Astros hosting the nationals we got Garrett Cole against Matt Scherzer Uh, definitely you know pitchers in each of those series Um, 808 p.m. Eastern time Um, who you got in this game one
1: I'm taking the Astros at home you can't deny the fact that the Astros are sixteen and zero in their last sixteen starts with Garrett Cole on the mound. Um, it's just incredible numbers, and that just what, what I really saw is is they were poised to win that you know Game Six against the Yankees without having a Granky or a Cole on the mound, so that way they can be ready for this Game One, Game Two against the Nationals. Um, I'm going to take the Astros in a three to two victory tonight over the nationals. And it, this is seriously, everyone just get ready for some of the greatest pitching world series, defensive world series. We are going to see in a very long
0: time. I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, especially with the pitching uh, just the pitching salaries alone. I want to bring this up. Um, for the Nationals, between $77.8 million, they have Patrick Corbin, Matt Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg. Astros, $73 million. You have Garrett Cole, Verlander, and Zach Grinke. I mean, this is unbelievable what we're about to witness in this World Series. Um, I, I, I agree with the Astros. I think it's going to be – I think Garrett Cole is going to blow out this Nationals team in Game 1. He's played unbelievable. I'm going to take it up a notch. I think – I think the way the Astros won and with the Nationals' time off, I think they're going to get the bats going early. I think Jose Altuve's confidence is at a max high. I'm going to take the Astros 6-1 to against the Nationals. I think they have a strong Game 1 statement.
1: And I I do have in question, like, yes, it's nice to have time off, but that's going to be more so for the guys on the mound than anything, so they can have their arms rested. But are these bats going to be cold from the Nationals, do you think? Uh,
0: it, it's it's tough to say. But to me, it's tough to say because they didn't – to me, they didn't face that great a pitching competition against the Cardinals. So, to me, I'm more interested to see how they do against, you know, Garrett Cole because I think the Astros face better pitchers than the Yankees and what the Nationals do with the Cardinals. So, I, do, I think – I think their bats are going to be cold. I think it's going to be hard for them to hit off Garrett Cole. I, I, think, I, I think Cole pitches until the seventh inning tomorrow. I can definitely foresee that happening. I really can. But um, so you know, you got our locks in. I got the Astros going six to one against the Nationals. My boy Ryan thinks it's going to be a little bit closer. He got he's he has the Astros winning three to two. So, definitely check that game out tomorrow. Uh, If you're not a baseball fan, that's okay because tomorrow is NBA time. NBA season starts. How excited are you, Ryan?
1: Oh, man. I seriously could not be more excited. Um, the, The NBA season this year is going to be so phenomenal. Um, especially after we saw things get shaken up and the Raptors winning the, you know, the championship last year. I think that's going to show that it's going to be a, a great mixture of which team is actually going to win the championship year in and year out. I really don't foresee it being on a consistent basis like we've seen with the Warriors these past couple of years. Um, the, the, there's so many phenomenal rookies playing this year, uh, so just great Shakeups in terms of teams, Kawhi and Paul George teaming up. I love it. Um, it, it, this, this season is just going to be great. I'm speechless at how well I think this season's really going to be.
0: Me, me too. Uh, there's not a front runner right now in the East or the West. There's still a lot of question marks that everyone has to answer. So, you know, I'm, I've never been so pumped for an NBA season. I'm ready to jump right into it. Um, I went ahead and me and Ryan, we we took some questions to us that I think have to be answered in this NBA season. So I think we, you know, I think we should try and figure that out right now before we go into our picks for the Lakers and Clippers that battle in LA and then the Pelicans and the Raptors. Raptors definitely having their trophy ceremony tomorrow. Hopefully, Drake drops a new album tomorrow. That'd be nice <laughs> too, just to go in with the NBA season. But um I, I want to ask you this first. So Kyrie Irving leaving the, to me, loaded Celtics team, you know, went to the Nets. Kevin Durant signed there. Um, Kyrie last year was upset the way that Brad Stevens didn't let him kind of, you know, just have a Kyrie heavy offense. Are the Nets going to give that to Kyrie, the, the system that he craves so bad, especially this year without Kevin Durant?
1: I can definitely see it and it's a spot where he's gonna need to step up, especially for the young core that this team has, aside from someone like DeAndre Jordan who is there to, you know, help assist Jared Allen, even though I think Jared Allen's going to be, you know, the number one guy at center. But Kyrie with his skill set, even with as young as he is still, as I said, with that skill set, you've got to be able to take it and use a trickle down effect on players on this team. Um, This is probably one of the youngest average teams in the NBA, somewhere like aside from like the Nuggets and co. Um, But if Kyrie does not prove soon that he has what it takes to lead this team, then I just seriously throw it in jeopardy if Kyrie will ever win another NBA championship, not be, you know, obviously being under LeBron James' wing.
0: And so – I, I kind of like what you said about playing with a young team. And this is why I don't think Kyrie is going to get the system he wants. When you play with young players, I mean, it's kind of like it, when you play with young players, you, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like what LeBron did last year. You have all these guys that look up to LeBron, you know, they had his posters, him on, you know, on their wall growing up. So in, in a way, I, I think this is going to backfire in Kyrie, just like it backfired with the Celtics. I think playing with a young core, that they're, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get mad that everything definitely has to go through Kyrie. I mean, especially with you know Jared Allen and and the team that they have. I just, I just don't see it again. That's why I'm not scared of who this Nets team is gonna be because Kevin Durant is proven that he can share the ball, but he's also proven he can't play with ball-heavy people, which I think Kyrie Irving is ever since, you know, since the days he left LeBron. I think he has to have the ball in his hands. He has to take the last shot. You know, he when, it, when you're down 20 points, he can't pass the ball. You know, that's who I think he is, and that's why I don't see a bond happening between Durant and Kyrie because I don't think their games will mesh.
1: I I, I agree with that, and I really, really like your take on that. Um, just the play styles that they are, they're almost, you know, polar opposites. Um I'm not saying their play styles are polar opposites. I'm saying, like, the players themselves are polar opposites Mm -hmm. Um, because with their play styles being similar, um, that that in itself is these are guys who, you know, are going to need the ball in their hand. And I think there's going to be a lot of controversy whenever Durant comes back as to figuring out who's actually going to have the ball in their hands in crunch time.
0: And exactly because, to me, I think Gordon Hayward may go back to being an all-star this year with Kyrie Irving not there. He was an all-star – He was an all-star, you know, before he left, going back to the Celtics. And, I mean, I think Kyrie Irving killed his game.
1: I I think it did, too. I think with Kemba Walker coming onto this Boston Celtics team, I thought that was probably the best move that they could have done, aside from uh, letting go of Al Horford, which I think was kind of a horrible move on the sense of that. But Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, those three names, just watch out for them this year. I think they're going to show – that you don't need, uh, you know, two giant superstars, and you can have three stars in that aspect.
0: Yeah, and and I agree with you. I think the Celtics going to be great this year, um, but again, I I don't see. I I think the Nets will be, you know, maybe a late playoff push, depending on how how Kyrie plays. I think he definitely sees himself more as like an Allen Iverson, Kobe type player, which I don't think you can be in the league nowadays. I, I you can't. You can't be a player like how Kobe was in AI with every team having you know two superstars and the way the league is like shooting heavy threes and things like that. It's just he's playing in I think in a time that we don't have anymore in the NBA.
1: Yep, he he definitely is. Um, and at, at best, and I kind of brought this up in a previous show. I see the Nets at best being a sixth seed and at worst being the eighth seed.
0: Yeah. So Nets won't have Kevin Durant this year. Um, moving, speaking of injuries that since Kevin Durant had, um, is Joel Embiid's body ready to sustain his dominance?
1: I think it is. And that's the reason why he went out and lost 25 pounds in the off season, because he understands that with his stature and with how he needs to play as a great two-way player that he is, because, you know, he can, he can hit threes. He can, you know, actually kind of play a floor general role when he's out there when Ben Simmons isn't out on the court. Um. But I also think the addition of Al Horford is going to actually help propel Joel Embiid's game to that next level and solidifying his role as a legendary big man. Um, and it's kind of something we saw LeBron do. LeBron cut weight so that way he can have a little longer, um, you know, longevity in the in his career. Um, I expect Joel Embiid uh, to be another all-star. I expect him to be healthy primarily for all 82 games. Uh, I'm not saying that he won't miss a couple because, you know, we see some of these all-stars just get set, you know, minor, you know, minute ankle injuries and stuff like that. But watch out for Embiid to have an amazing year this
0: year. Yeah, definitely. I see Embiid in a couple of years, Um, him battling out with Anthony Davis of who the best is in the league in about four years. Um, I agree with you. I think his body, I think him slimming down, he's ready. He's taking control of it and notice what I think is the most important because he wants to to have that greatness. Um, I think the best thing for Joel Embiid's body is Al Horford. I think the acquisition of Al Horford this year, you went and got a guy that if you have to rest Joel Embiid, he's going to need rest. You still put your team in, in a position to win because that's how good Al Horford is. So I definitely think that's probably the best thing that goes along with Joel and Embiid's body and, you know, his resting throughout the season um, is definitely getting Al Horford added to that 76ers team.
1: Yep, and these are two guys that we're going to see on the floor primarily all game, all season.
0: Yeah, uh, good luck with the Twin Towers, y'all. Uh, moving on, um, What this, is, this to me was the, the hardest way to ask a question. But I just gotta know. I, Ryan, you gotta tell me. I mean, what does Westbrook do when James Harden has the ball? Um,
1: I think he gets a little salty over the fact that he doesn't have the ball in his hands himself because that's kind of what he's used to. Um, even when Kevin Durant was there, Russell Westbrook, you know, was the primary ball handler um, in OKC. Um, so I, I really, I've got to see it on the court first to see how well Harden and Westbrook can play together now uh, like I said at this point in their careers because they've grown into primary ball handlers and I I think this is actually even though you know Russell Westbrook at this point is better than Chris Paul you know in a longer sense Chris Paul is just a legend but It's a similar Kyrie, KD, um, you know, situation where they're polar opposites in the sense of both of them. They need to have the ball in their hands at almost all times to help try and patrol the game. Um, And I I want them to prove me wrong and show that they actually can play together because we know we've had chemistry in the past between them.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely think that was a different time because I don't. To me, the problem with Russell Westbrook and James Harden is the ego. Their egos are so big for one team, Um, it, it may be too big. Because this is a great Rockets team, but to me, you have two guys that can't win. Russell Westbrook hasn't won a playoff series since KD left. Um, James Harden can't finish playoff series by himself. Uh, it, and to me, the, the question is, is, you know, Russell Westbrook, when he's on the three-point line, you don't have to guard him as much because – the guy's a bricklayer from three-point. He's one of the worst three-point shooter point guards in the NBA. So, to me, it's going to be up to, you know, Mike Danitoni, the offensive guru that he is for basketball. Um, may, I feel like we're going to see uh, maybe a little bit of, you know, guard pick and roll action with Russell Westbrook and James Harden or even, you know, backdoor cuts. But I think Russell Westbrook right now at this point, I think he has to accept – the fact that he is going to be a role man and a addition to a James Harden run to offense.
1: Absolutely. Um, And just, just with how good both of them are, I still see them both being all stars this year. Um, But it's just a matter of this, you know, actually them staying as a team oriented basketball team, instead of being a uh, two man squad running against a, an entire side of five, every game. Yeah.
0: Um, is are we going to see a fully unleashed Steph Curry this year?
1: If he can stay healthy, absolutely. Um, I think Steph Curry could have the poise to actually be in the MVP conversation again this year. Um, uh, you know, not having Klay Thompson is absolutely huge. Um, so then, I think the addition of D'Angelo Russell really helps take a lot of weight off of his shoulders. Um, but I think what this also could mean, if they don't trade D'Angelo Russell, he might be the future for this Golden State Warriors team, uh, D'Lo. Um, but it's not a question of Stephen Curry's actual uh, skill set. It's more so of his leadership, because um, we've seen bigger names like Clay Thompson, and Dallas stepping up, Kevin Durant stepping up in their postseason runs. It really hasn't been Steph Curry. Um, so, that that that's where the leadership one would kind of fall into play, uh, but I expect to see great things from Steph Curry this year if he actually can be healthy.
0: Yeah, uh, and me too. I I think Steph Curry is definitely going to be in the MVP conversation. He is going to unleash, and it's been a, it's been a little while since we've seen an unleash Steph Curry. So I'm excited to see what this guy brings to the table. I mean, he may be one of the. <sighs> It's just uh, – t- I can't stop smiling with how much fun this NBA season is going to be to watch.
1: Oh, dude, um, I know.
0: Moving on, uh, how does Giannis uh, – how does the Greek freak grow his game after his playoff failure?
1: I think he's going to make a statement of actually being the best player in the NBA this season. Um, he, he just seriously almost seems unstoppable when he's on the floor um, it, it is kind of ridiculous how good his skill set actually is. If he can develop a actual three point shot, because his mid range game is there, he's seriously almost impossible to defend when he's attacking the basket, and he can seriously defend the basketball himself on the opposite end of the floor. Um, so if he can, you know, propel in that range, it's not so much of a question of Giannis's skill set, more so of a question of can the rest of this Milwaukee Bucks team actually perform uh, almost, you know, to actually be up to par with how Giannis is playing so that way it's not kind of like a one-man show. But I love Giannis going into this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, me, the Raptors expose Giannis a little bit with, you know, it's okay that he has that first punch, but I think they expose his weaknesses, keeping him out of the paint. You know, he doesn't have a great jumper. And, you know, his – you know, he's he's contagious with how much he spins into traffic when driving or even backing up in the lane. Um, it's just things like that. I think his court vision has to get better too. I mean, it's just to, – to me it's a lot of pieces that have to come together because them losing Malcolm Brogdon to me is a huge blow to the Bucks this year. So that may – you know, th- that may be just it right there.
1: Uh, that that very well could be it, and that's going to be a great tandem duo with Malcolm Brogdon and Oladipo out on the Pacers. Yeah.
0: Um, it, how are we going to see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Um, how are we going to see these defensive matchups this year? How how good is this Clippers team going to be defensively when Paul George comes back?
1: This team is going to be ridiculous. Seriously. Um. I, I just I cannot wait for the battle of L.A. this year, uh, LeBron and AD versus Paul George and Kawhi. I think that's seriously the two best tandem duos in the NBA right now, um, being on both L.A. teams respectively. Um, the Lakers have a little bit more depth than the Clippers necessarily do, um, but uh, the we, this is somewhere where Paul George was able to have consistent success on a team with a player like russell westbrook so you get someone on the team like Kawhi leonard where he's you know not a i need to have the ball in my hands at all times type of player like a russell westbrook is and i think the you know it's going to be all over the place for the clippers in a great way um i'm expecting a lot of success to come between paul george and Kawhi this year
0: yep And, and i agree um I especially love – I think Doc Rivers will definitely have a game plan there for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, to me, is definitely going to take more of guarding Giannis and LeBron than Paul George will. But that team defensively with Patrick Beverly, they're just – it's going to be a hard team to beat. I think that, I think this year when teams play the Clippers, especially going in the playoffs, it's going to be low-scoring games. And don't but, um, forget
1: about the sixth man of the year, Lou Williams.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely Lou Williams added on there. Definitely seeing another 6 man of the year coming from that guy. Uh, are we going to see what can Damian Lillard do for an encore this year? Uh, he,
1: he's got to prove his worth. Um, they brought in Whiteside to obviously replace the injured Nurkic. Not sure how long he's actually going to be out. Um but I also think this is somewhere where they could probably trade CJ McCollum elsewhere, uh, so that way they can have, uh, you know, that cap space to actually bring in some extra assets. Maybe trade, you know, for Andre Iguodala from the Grizzlies or something along those lines. Um, but just expect phenomenal basketball out of Damian Lillard since we've seen him come into the league. Um, but I, I just don't know. If they really have what it takes to actually you know win an NBA championship yet because we we've yeah. seen them collapse
0: time and time again, so yeah, yeah. And, and we we have um I think this is a team that can sneak away a series against a warriors or a Rockets team. Um, I think that is the peak of Damien's encore for this year is maybe getting a sneaky first round series if if they make the playoffs. But um that that to me is the ceiling. They need they just need more talent all, all around. It's not gonna be Damian Lillard, Whiteside, or CJ McCollum, I think, to really break that team out. But uh, going into Denver, um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. out all year last year, chained with Kobe and Trey Young all summer this year. Uh back this year, expected to start in their regular season game. Um, can can this Nuggets go to the finals?
1: Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Probably the youngest average team still um, in the NBA as they were last year, and I it was you know it was a heartbreaking Game Seven loss for even me to watch against you know the Portland Trailblazers last year. Um, but expect even better things to come from that team that now has experience and with you know a lack of experience, were able to make a deep postseason run last year. Um, so for many years to come, this Denver Nuggets team is going to be a serious threat. I have them as my two seed in the Western Conference behind the Lakers this year, um, and I can see that being the Western Conference Championship matchup being the uh, Nuggets and the Lakers.
0: Yeah, I and I could I could definitely see that too happening. Uh, you know, the Nuggets—they have a great all-around team. I love me some Jamal Murray. Um, I want to see Jokic uh, actually get in a little bit better shape than what he is. He tends to slow down at the end of games. So to see him in better shape, I think would even help this Nuggets team to even go to another level. But I'm expecting if Michael Porter Jr. is back um, and his back can actually hold up, uh, expect this guy to win rookie of the year, just the way Ben Simmons did. (laughs) (laughs) But – and, you know, great questions all around. There are so many questions for this NBA season, but this is this is one a little interesting. Um, is Donovan Mitchell actually a star? I,
1: I, I would consider him a lower-level star, but not a superstar by all means. Um, I, I think deservedly he got second place in the rookie voting behind Ben Simmons just with the type of Ben Simmons – uh, you know, the player that he is, he's like a reincarnation of Magic Johnson almost we're seeing on the court with his size and his passing ability. Um, but Donovan Mitchell really seems as if he's taken a back seat since his rookie season, even though he still has, you know, that actual skill set. But I see him being an all-star, not a superstar. Um, he's a type of player where I, I almost see him in a similar situation, kind of like the Portland Trailblazers, where like they they really you know need additional help in the entirety of the roster to actually help propel them to the next level even though they made it to the playoffs two years in a row
0: yeah so to me uh to me he's a def i, I say a low level star um he ha- he has to improve things with his game his rebounding his you know his shot percentage he-, he has to take better shots than what he does i mean there's no there's no question that he is one of the most explosive stars in today's game. Um, I'm interested to see the acquisition of Mike Conley and how he pairs up with Donovan Mitchell, see if Donovan Mitchell learns a little bit more basketball IQ and floor vision. But to me, it's just he's got to get his court vision up. He's got to take better shots, and he's got to trust his teammates more.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I think that's also why they went out and brought on Joe Ingles and got rid of Ricky Rubio. So that way Donovan Mitchell can be, you know, that floor general and have a little extra, uh, you know, sharp shooting and a defensive aspect from Ingles. Um, so, I mean, I don't necessarily know if I see a step up from the Utah Jazz this year, but I think it was a decent rebuild by the team in the offseason nonetheless.
0: Yeah, and I think the the extension with Quinn Snyder helps this Jazz team a lot. Phenomenal coach in Snyder. Um, What's what's next uh, trade-wise? What trades do you think we can expect coming into this NBA season?
1: So the ones that I've necessarily heard the most, D'Angelo Russell getting shopped, Andre Drummond getting shopped, and Steven Adams getting shopped. Three huge names that are you know already on the trade market. The one that I see realistically happening is going to be Steven Adams. I think someone's going to go out and get, grab that big man and it wouldn't surprise me if it happened to be the Golden State Warriors going for Steven Adams where the Oklahoma City Thunder seem to be as if they're in a rebuild even though they you know they did just get Chris Paul but him and Adams alone are just not enough to you know propel this team and they wind up getting Shea Gilgis Alexander
0: who I think is the future of that team now. Yep um, that that's interesting I mean Two big man and D'Angelo Russell. I could definitely see D'Angelo Russell and Drummond, that trade happening. I actually see Chris Paul getting shot this year. Um, I think the Thunder realized that they want to rebuild even more than what they have in Chris Paul. And I think they go for another pick. And I just think they let Chris Paul go on his way. Um, I had before his extension, I had Bradley Beal getting shot this year, but I don't think that'll happen with his extension now. Um, and, and another guy that I can actually portray happening if it's the right superstar is Jason Tatum. I think the Celtics still need another superstar to compete in the East. And they were close to tra- you know trading Jason Tatum for an Anthony Davis. So, you know, who's not to say that, you know, a big star doesn't request a trade this year and the Celtics don't put Jason Tatum back on the table. I mean, Danny Ainge is phenomenal in trades, so I don't I don't think anyone's safe on the Celtics. So I, I, I
1: agree with that. I really don't think anyone is safe on the Celtics. I will kinda say I think that would have been silly to get rid of Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis. I think And I agree. That, I agree. That, that that was probably, you know, Anthony Davis's best, you know, scenario going to play with LeBron. Um but it, I, I don't want to see Tatum leave this team because I think he is the future of the Boston Celtics. And and I think so
0: too. Um last question before we pick, you know, our final four teams in each conference. Um this this is my favorite question. This is my favorite debate. Is this still LeBron's league?
1: No, it is not LeBron's league. It's Adam Silver. Stop it. <laughs> this this is Adam Silver's league. This is not LeBron's league. Adam <laughs> Silver came out and shut down LeBron and everything that he said, defended Daryl Morey. Um, we're seeing a lot of these bigger name young bloods coming up. Uh, like a Giannis, a Kawhi Leonard. Um, I I really see LeBron at most having two more good years left in his tank before he really hits that decline or a back seat and potentially even if he goes to play in China or something like that for a large contract. But at this given time and moment, LeBron probably thinks it's his league, but it's not his league. There are too many good teams now than uh, just a LeBron James to really consider it being his league.
0: All right, Ryan. Um, uh, This is my resignation for the show. Uh, (laughs) It was was nice knowing you. If you don't hear from me for a while, this is why. But um, this is absolutely LeBron James's league, and especially, especially this year, this year right now, LeBron James is gonna win MVP this year. He's gonna win Finals MVP this year, and he's gonna add another ring. Um, coming off an injury last year, you have everyone, everyone, and including right now, <laughs> Ryan Samori doubting the king himself, and I think. He is going to do exactly what Tom Brady did a couple years ago. Tom Brady suspended four games. You know, Roger Goodell on his mind. And he played an MVP-filled season. Um, it's just, to me, it's going to be the opposite. Uh, he's You know, he's going to have 27 points. He's going to have way more assists now with Anthony Davis. His rebounds will go down. But I do not see any other NBA player taking the throne from LeBron this year. Um, Kawhi Leonard, I mean Kawhi is great, but I haven't seen a test from Kawhi. He beat a injured Warriors team last year. He he beat the 76ers off a 2k shot. I mean, and he went through a Bucks team that to me the Bucks still don't run the East even right now. So I, I don't really to, to me their championship run, especially against the Warriors, if Klay Thompson doesn't go down, it goes to game seven and it's competitive. And Kevin Durant, before he went down, the Raptors were getting blown out in that game before Kevin Durant went down with his four-to-four four and three-pointers. So I don't really look too high on Kawhi Leonard. I understand Giannis onto Kanupo, but hey, guess what, Giannis? In this league, you got to win, and until you win, I'm not going to consider you the man. To me, I like Joel Embiid right now as the best player in the East, and I don't think it's – I think it's close, but I don't even think Giannis overlaps Joel Embiid this year. Joel Embiid will be the most dominant player this year, but it's still going to be LeBron's league.
1: Now, uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback off your MVP pick. I think with the addition of Anthony Davis helps give LeBron that poise to be MVP this year. I need to see him bounce back from the groin injury, but just in its entirety, uh, I'm sticking with my – I don't think it's solely LeBron's league anymore.
0: All right. Well, Well, hey, we'll learn tomorrow. But, um, and hopefully, you'll, hopefully, you'll forgive me and, uh, be, be ready for
1: our next self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, we'll see how Tuesday goes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so getting in, uh, after, you know, after the hot topic of the day, uh, who are your top four teams in the West and the East? And who is the teams, who are the teams that you're going to take all the way between those?
1: So, If we're going to go, I'm going to go ahead and start with the Western Conference. I have both teams out of L.A. I have the Denver Nuggets. And seriously, don't count out this Golden State Warriors team just yet. Um, in, In no particular order. I mean, if I had to pick an order from one through four, it probably goes Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, and then Warriors. Um, I still see that being you know, very competitive, but you'll probably see the Lakers in the finals just with how well they revamped their coaching staff and their entire squad. Um, moving on to the East, my four teams that I'm going to have to go with over here is going to be in no particular order. We're going to go the 76ers, got the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, and if I had to go for a fourth team, and it, it's kind of tougher in the Eastern Conference because you know we don't see that many, you know, overall great teams. But watch out for the Washington Wizards this year. I think they have a chance to actually make it as a top four seed,
0: being a six seed last year in the playoffs. Shante, I can definitely see that, especially with the you know, extending Bradley Beal. I think he has a little bit more, a little bit more in the tank, a little bit more to play for now. You know, he's excited again. I can definitely see. Definitely see the um, Wizards in that fourth spot. So who So who do you have taking it all, moving it down into the road?
1: If I'm going for an NBA Finals matchup, I'm looking at as much as I would like to see a Sixers-Nuggets matchup, it's going to be the Sixers and the Lakers. Um, I think the addition to Al Horford and Ben Simmons actually improving his shooting this offseason is going to – Even the addition of Josh Richardson and, you know, that swap deal with Jimmy Butler. Phenomenal. It's a great young team now where the oldest player does happen to be um, Al Horford. Um, It's going to be a tough game against someone like LeBron James in that finals aspect. But I I, I love my Sixers this year. I expect great things uh, for many years to come from this team. And that's who I'm, you know, picking as my finals matchup, the Lakers and the Sixers.
0: All right. I, I like it. Um, I, I definitely see that. I think that's most people's, uh, prediction too. Uh, my top four team in the West, uh, I have them just, j- I have them just like yours right down to the order Lakers clip, uh, Lakers nuggets, Clippers, and then the Warriors. Um, I'm not sleeping on the Warriors this year. This was a team that was good before Kevin Durant. I think they're going to be good after Kevin Durant. The East to me is going to be the most interesting to watch this year. Um, I have the 76ers, the Celtics, uh, the Bucks, But my fourth team, I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. Um, I like Victor Oladipo, Sabonis, Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and, and TJ Lee. You know, I like all these guys. And I think Victor Oladipo coming back, I think this team is going to excel. And I think they can wrap up that fourth seed and actually cause some trouble in the Eastern Conference. Um, it's not going to – but I got to go with my winner coming out of the East. I, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. Um, I, I had the 76ers earlier, but, you know, thinking of Brad Stevens with this team, with Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. I mean, th- this team is stacked. They're good. They're stacked with young talent. Uh, they're filled with players that love sharing the ball. There's no ball hogs on this team. And the reason why I have them over, the 76ers is because of Brad Stevens. I think Brad Stevens will outcoach Brett Brown and send the Celtics to the finals this year. I think that's the main difference between these two teams. I mean, Joel Embiid, it's going to be hard to cover Joel Embiid and Al Horford, but I think this Celtics team can outscore them with the you know, with Kimball Walker and Jason Tatum and Gordon Haywood. But I this is to me. A games, This is one of the best game sevens I think we will we'll see in a long time between the Celtics and the 76ers who I got coming out of the Eastern Conference this year.
1: And it's definitely going to be a great rivalry between those two teams uh, this year especially. Um, I, I myself am still not overly comfortable with Brett Brown as the coach, but the the players kind of speak for themselves whenever they're actually out on the court.
0: Yeah, and they do. I mean, Ben Simmons getting a shot this year. Uh, You know, Al Horford, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. I mean, this is – the 76ers are a great team. I just – to me, Brad Stevens, he's just – he's the new – he's the new Greg Popovich, I think. And his game plans, I mean, if if we're really being serious, they – if they had Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, they – they probably win in five games against LeBron's Cavs that year.
1: It's funny you say he's a new Greg Popovich because he actually was on Popovich's coaching staff while he had Tim Duncan and co.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's young. And that's what's even – he. I think he relates to his team more because of his youth.
1: Yeah, it, it, he definitely – he tries to go with those corny quippets too. Like in the postseason last year, we saw him call Jimmy Butler James because he was the man in the room. Jimmy Butler had to fire back and let everyone know that his name is Jimmy and not James.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So a a lot coming out of the East. Um, So let's go ahead and let's get ready for these games tomorrow. We have the Raptors hosting their ceremony tomorrow against the Pelicans. Zion Williamson, we will not get to see him, which is terrible for NBA fans. But can the Pelicans spoil the Raptors opening night?
1: Absolutely, they can. Uh, the additional Lonzo Ball, keeping Drew Holiday, getting Brandon Ingram. Hopefully, he's good from his blood clots. Um, adding Derek Favors. The, this team still shows a lot of poise to me, the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, without having Zion Williams on the floor. And I totally forgot to mention J.J. Redick in that spiel, too. Um, so don't don't be surprised if... You know the Pelicans do dethrone the Raptors tomorrow. I think Drake's going to have to dig some of his money up out of the grave because he's going to lose some on this betting line tomorrow <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, the Raptors, to me, I just without Kawhi Leonard, they just take a huge backseat.
0: Yeah, and I see it too, um, especially with the uh, the overrated of Pascal Siakam. I hate, I can't stand Kyle Lowry. I don't even think he should be the starting point guard on that team. I'm a big Fred Fred Van Fleet guy who even portrayed Kawhi Leonard in the finals, hitting the six threes when Kawhi Leonard was not there to be found. So, you know, he had a big – he had a big moment in that, you know, that finals game six. Uh, I I definitely – I have the Pelicans winning tomorrow. I think the Pelicans – you know, the youth, I think, gets to the Raptors. I think Lonzo Ball is – I think he will shut down Kyle Lowry, which is not hard to do. Um, I'm interested to see how his shooting is. I think J.J. Redick helps spread the floor. Uh, It's just – I think it's going to be a fun game to watch tomorrow before we get to the Battle of L.A.
1: Absolutely. And, oh, man, is that Battle of L.A. going to be a doozy.
0: So it is, um, unfortunately, we do not get to see Paul George tomorrow. So Paul George is going to be out, but you still get to see the man himself, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, uh, going up against, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. This is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball game to watch tomorrow. Um, and then some tough decisions. I mean, who, who do you got in this game? And how, how do you win this game if you're the Lakers going against a defensive team like the Clippers?
1: To win this game, you just need to put the ball on the shoulders of LeBron James, like he kind of said, what's going to happen in the offseason. We're going to see LeBron kind of running that point guard role again as we've seen him do in the past. Um, uh, You know, this really not like an overage of great guards on the Lakers aside from an Avery Bradley and an aging Rajon Rondo. Um, But... I expect to see the most out of Anthony Davis tomorrow night. I expect for him to light the floor line up. I think he's going to have a potential uh, double-double tomorrow night, and I'm talking like 28 points and at least um, like 15 rebounds. He might even have a triple-double with some assists as well, um, throw like 10 assists in there or something like that. Um, so I, I really think Anthony Davis is going to be the key to their success tomorrow night. Um And I I am going to take the Lakers in this game. I think with Paul George on the Clippers team, it makes it a little bit different and more arguable of in the Clippers favor. Um, But I just don't feel as if Kawhi has enough on his point to stop that duo of uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis.
0: Yeah. And I agree. And the thing that I think the Lakers have a little bit better on the Clippers is that floor is going to be spread out tomorrow with the additions of Danny Green and Avery Bradley and then you have Kyle Kuzma, LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I mean, th- they have scores all around which is something we, you know, we haven't seen LeBron really have since his days in Miami. But now he has someone a young player in Anthony Davis who's arguably one of th- a top 3 best player in the league. So I'm I'm interested to see how Doc Rivers plans for this game tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be hard I think for both teams. I think it's going to be hard for the Lakers and the Clippers I think it's going to be hard for the Lakers to score, hard for the Clippers to defend. I'm interested to see who the ball runs through for the Clippers with, you know, since Paul George is out, but it's going to be far hot, far. It's going to be hard fought basketball. So I'm just, I'm excited to see it. I got my Lakers. Um, Anthony Davis, I think I'm with you. He's going to have a huge game tomorrow as long as well as LeBron. Um, you know LeBron, I hope he, I hope we see the headband tomorrow. I hope we see the powder throw. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: Uh, I'm fully expecting another powder throw, but I'm glad that man finally embraced his hairline.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that he did with all that money. I wish he would just get a hair transplant. But um... the,
1: the funny thing is, is he did once and it didn't work. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, at least Bronny didn't get his hair transplant. So I mean, his hairline. So you know, yeah, he probably true. looked at Bronny a little upset. Who <laughs> brought? Speaking of Bronny, you know, had his one hand dunked yesterday at Sierra Canyon's preseason game. Um, you know, it's gonna be fun watching him and Zero Wade go off. But uh, uh I'm definitely catch me and Ryan on 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 our next show with the MLB game one post game. Uh, what we saw in these two NBA games, and then looking forward to our Thursday night football matchup as well. So, Ryan, always a pleasure doing this with you, man. Uh, I had a real, real fun time today. Um, I can't wait to see LeBron prove you wrong. But um, great, great show, man.
1: And I I definitely want to have LeBron put me in my place too, make me eat my words like a turkey on Thanksgiving. Um, (laughs) But, uh, of course, as always, it was another phenomenal show Great discussion, as always, my friend. Um, And I'm seriously, I'm looking real forward to recapping this uh, upcoming Game 1 of the World Series as well as a couple of these NBA games.
0: All right. Well, everyone have a safe day. Have fun watching, you know, Monday Night Football, MLB tomorrow, and NBA. And I'll catch you next time, Ryan.
1: All right. And y'all have a great one. I'll see you later, Holden.